So the title of my message today is A Dwelling Place for God. Uh, so be- before we begin a series on the Sermon on the Mount, I just want us to briefly uh, think about our understanding of the church, God-ordained institution. Now, what comes to mind when you hear the word the church? What is the first image comes to your mind? And when you hear the word embrace ministry, what image comes to you? This church building, this chapel, is that something that comes to your mind when you hear the word embrace ministry or SPC? Here, Paul calls the church a holy temple and a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. But is he talking about a physical building? Obviously not, because when we read in verses 21 and 22, he says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. So he's talking about this church growing. Right. And in verse 22, in him, you also are being built together into a bla- uh, dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So it is an ongoing thing that we are being built into this structure, the church. Right? So obviously when Paul talks about the church, he is not talking about a physical structure that we see around us. But oftentimes, that's how we think of when we hear the word the church or embrace ministry, we may, the first thing that comes to our mind may be this chapel or a physical place. But that's not what, uh, biblically, that's what it is. The church of God is the people of God. You are the church, not this structure that you see around you. You can just look around and see the people that you see, this You are the church. Every one of us here, we are the church. And there are different ways to categorize a church. There's in one way to categorize a universal church and local church. The universal church is all the people of God from all over the world. It's universal, right? Whereas the local church is this visible community that we see every Sunday, like us. Embrace ministry is a local church. McLean Bible, that will be another local church. It's the visible people that we see, right? And so there are also many different ways to categorize church. We can also categorize the church as the church militant and church triumphant. The church militant is those of us, the people of God who are still on earth. We are still toiling. Still, we are trying to live live our life according to the scriptures. The, the church triumphant is those of us who have, slept, uh, who have passed and people who are in heaven, right, being with the Lord, triumphant. So there are different ways to categorize church. But today, uh, I'm going to be uh, more specifically talking about the local church, the visible community of faith that we have and we see each week. Since the dawn of human history, we lived in community. We built society, culture, we developed culture, and everything in the context of community. Being part of community is really in our nature. We have to belong together. 
You know, um, the Avengers, the end game is all the rage, right? Um, I hear that Sean and Haran, for the second time, they're going to go watch the movie. I haven't even had a chance to see it. Shame on me, right? Um, so it's all the rage. People are talking about this the whole time. But isn't, well, obviously, I can't spoil you because I haven't seen the movie yet. But isn't the whole movie or the concept based on the idea of community, right? It's not just one superhero saving the universe but a group of them coming together for the common good and for survival. Of course, you know, along the way, um, the, um, of course they had the internal conflict as in civil war, right? I'm, once again, I'm not gonna spoil it if you haven't seen the movie, right? They had some issues within the community, but in the end, right, they joined forces together and that's community, albeit exclusive. But it's a community. Now, in today's passage, describes the church as a holy temple and a dwelling place for God, with Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. At the very foundation of any church, right, is Jesus Christ. So today, um, we're going to look into briefly biblical, uh, biblical standing of the community of God and theology behind it. And we're going to also look at the implication and application of this. And so the first point that I want to bring out to you is this biblical, biblical understanding of the church. How are we to understand? What, uh, what does the scripture teach us about the church? You know, uh, contrary to what many people may think, community is not a human invention. It's not just this social phenomenon. Human beings didn't, hap- just, didn't just happen to get together and form groups of common interests or out of necessity. That's not, so the community that we have and we see all the time, all around us, is not human invention. Community, it's God's dearest, dearest creation. Only within community, that there is a possibility of knowing and being known, right? You have to, right? How would you get to know one another? How would, some, uh, how would you be known unless you are in the context of the community? When my wife and I, we got married, until then, you know, I was single, and so I didn't, you know, there are things that I didn't really know about myself. Only after I got married and then she brings out all these things, the flaws that I didn't know that I had. I thought I was a pretty decent guy until I got married. And then I realized, man, man, I I have such a long way to go because she knows me. She's still knowing, you know, and also I'm trying to get to know her better. See, only within community that there is the possibility of knowing someone and also being known. If you are by yourself, Do you think that you would really know yourself? I don't think so. It's only within the the, the context of community that we get to be known by others. And also, only within the context of community, there is the possibility of loving and being loved. Isn't that true? You can love yourself all you want, but you see, you cannot be really loved only in the context of community that we can love and be loved. You know what? We can love anybody from the the figment of our imagination. I mean, it takes nothing to love somebody, 
right? In our imagination, because it doesn't cost us anything. We don't really learn what it means to love somebody in our imagination. What is there to not to love? He or she doesn't really hurt us. He or she doesn't really let us down. It's, it's in your imagination. You can love somebody, right, out there, somebody that has nothing to do with you. But it's only in the context of community as we let each other down, as we uh, offend one another, as we hurt each other, as we break each other's hearts. There, that's the only time that we can really learn what it means to love and forgive and be loved and be forgiven. Only within the context of community, all these things are possible for us to truly function as people, as God has intended, we have to live and be in community. Like, you know, I'm sure some of you guys may have seen the movie Cast Away. Um, yeah, I'm really also, uh, you know, Tom Hanks, you know how he was, he was in this uh, plane wreck and he was the lone survival and then he ended up in a in a deserted island for many years. He tried to survive on his own, but then after a while, you know, he started talking to the volleyball. He's just making a conversation with Wilson, right? And, um, you know, he could have just lived in isolation all his life and just lived out, lived out his life, but he just could not. That's because we were meant to be in community. So at the risk of losing his life, he decides to take his chance out there. And eventually, miraculously, obviously, he gets, uh, he gets rescued. But you see, that's who we are. We were created to be in community. In fact, yeah, God is community, isn't he? The triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The three persons in one Godhead, the oneness, in, his, in, their, in essence, uh, in their being, we believe in three distinct persons and yet in one Godhead. We don't believe in three different gods. We believe in one God, but in that one Godhead. God is community. So here's the thing. Because God is community, he created community. You see, it flows from who he is. We were created to be in community because God himself is in community. See, the fact that we need community is because God has created us in his image as he is in community. You see, that's why we always crave for and we need to be in community. God only does what is consistent with his essence and his character. God loves us because he is love. He cannot do anything else because he, love, because he is love. He cannot but love us because that's what is consistent with his character. God does what is right because it is in him, because he is just. He calls us to holiness because he is holy. You know, when we say that God is omnipotent, what we mean is that he can do everything consistent that is consistent with his character. So that means, that doesn't mean that God can do everything in, in the literal sense. That there, of course, there are things that he cannot do. It's like, oh, whoa, Pastor Wojcik is like teaching uh, heresy. No, no, no. God cannot lie. 
right? Because it is not consistent with his character. When we say God is omnipotent and God is almighty, that means he can do everything that is consistent with his character. So because he's consistent with his character, there, uh, he cannot lie. He cannot be unfaithful to his promises. So there are things that he cannot do because it is not consistent with who he is. So, his cre- so the, the, the point is, his creation and his work only flow out of who he is. So the fact that God has made us in community is because he himself is in community as such. Because God is community, out of his essence and nature, he has created us to be in community. It is his will and design that we live in community. We were never, ever meant to be in isolation. And I think it is very important for us to understand that. Because, because we live in such a you know, Western, individual, individualistic society, that oftentimes we think when it comes to our faith, when it comes to Christianity, it's all about me, myself, and I, and Jesus. And when God created, and here's the thing also, when we studied Genesis, when God created the whole universe, it was good. It was good. Everything that he has done was good. But amazingly, he declares that it is not good for man, for Adam, to be alone. So he created women so that they can be in community. So what we need to take note It's not that God created a solitary solitary man, but human community, because God is community. And do you know what was God's first command to the human beings, to Adam and Eve? Was it, do not eat that fruit from the tree uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil? Was that the first command that God told Adam and Eve? No, it was that be fruitful and multiply. That was the first command that God has given to us. Be fruitful and multiply. He commanded the humankind to reproduce and fill the earth and subdue it. So God's original intention was by means of natural reproduction that we were to fill the earth and reflect God's glory because we were originally, we were created in God's image. So through the, the uh, through the descendants and the offsprings, the, as, as people were born, bearing the, the image of God, we were to reflect God's glory. Right? That was his uh, intention. But what happens next? The fall of Adam and Eve. And the sin is introduced to the world. And because of our sin, all of creation has been profoundly affected. And our sinful nature has been propagated to the offspring. So it only made matters worse. Because of reflecting God's glory as they multiplied, we in our sinful nature uh, nature destroyed everything in our way. Spiritual darkness filled the earth. Man, it sounds like the beginning of an epic movie or something, right? But think of, imagine that, like all the people, every single human being being born, right? Really just carried the darkness. So instead of really just filling the uh, earth with God's glory, we were filling the earth 
with darkness, rebellion against God. You see, natural and physical reproduction could not achieve what God has originally intended, and in God's sovereign plan, he decreed supernatural rather than natural, and spiritual reproduction rather than physical reproduction. Have you heard the term being born again? That's exactly what it is. That was God's plan for us to be regenerate. And those spiritually reborn were called to a community of faith, the Church of Jesus Christ. You know, when I was in college, um, I was very actively involved in a campus fellowship. And at that time, my understanding of the church was so shaky. Um, you know, I used to be very, so as I was really getting involved in the campus, in a parachurch ministry, you know, I used to be so judgmental and critical of the local churches, constantly comparing these slow, institutionalized, um, stubborn churches to parachurch ministries because, you know, in campus fellowships, you know, because everything was so homogenous, like everybody was in the same age group, everybody had the same issues and concerns about major, girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, like the, the concerns were the same, so we were just praying for one another, and there were so many people that were being, like, changed. Lives were being transformed, people were being saved left and right. So I was like, man, this is it. This is what the church should look like, right? And so, and then when I look at my home church, it was one of the biggest churches, and in the area, and I was really critical of the slowness, the politics, the red tape. So I used to be, you know, I wasn't really involved in my home church. I didn't really care much for it. I was committed to the real thing, the campus fellowship. That's where all the action was. That's where God was at. That was my understanding. See, how deeply flawed my theology of church was having the disdain for the local church and only just thinking about the universal church, the, all the, the people. It doesn't really matter whether you belong to a local church. As long as you are brothers and sisters in Christ, it's all that matters. That was my thinking. How immature. But you see, it's not either or kind of proposition. The church of God is both universal church and local church. So that's the, the, uh, the biblical understanding about the church of God. Now, the second point is the implication. Now that we've looked briefly at the biblical understanding of the church, right? what's the implication? It's obvious that we, are, we, we belong to the church, more specifically, the local church. Rick Warren says that you are called not only to believe, but also to belong. That's our calling. The church in the West, because of, of this staunch individualism, has emphasized the personal salvation and our personal walk with God. And that's all we, really, really, uh, we have really emphasized for so long. And that has resulted in many spiritual orphans hopping around from church, one, church, one church to next without any commitment, any accountability, and identity. And I see really just many people 
do that. I'm sorry. Now, for, for those of you guys who are new or recent, uh, you know, recently just joined our church, please do not under, misunderstand me, right? I'm not just talking, I'm, I'm talking about just general uh, trend. What's been happening in the church these days? That there's so much of consumerism in, within the church. What does this church offer for me? What can they offer me that I would, it, it would make me want to stay? And that is often the, 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 the mindset that we bring to church. It shouldn't be. Right. When we have that kind of mindset, oh, as long as I have a pretty good, you know, solid foundation, uh, I, I know the Bible and I have good relationship with Jesus, that's all that matters. Who cares which church I go to or just whether I belong to a church? Right. That is a really uh, dangerous and unbiblical practice that as long as I believe in Jesus, that's all that matters to me. You know, when you watch Animal Planet programs, we see the predators hunting prey. And when the lions, when they gather together and when they are going after like zebras or water buffaloes or what have you, right? What do they do? They, do they do they just charge right into the heart of the, the herd? No, what they do is they try to just cause confusion, right? So they just try to just make them go this way or that way. And in their panic and confusion, you know, just usually the weak ones or the young ones get left out of the herd because they cannot keep up, right? And that's when the lions, they don't go for the, the, the really healthy ones or the really choice-looking ones in, in the herd, but the ones that get left behind. And that's where they just pounce on them and take their prey. Right? And that is really a picture of people not belonging to a church. Thinking, oh, as long as I believe in Jesus, I don't really care. It doesn't really matter if I'm committed to a church. Being a spiritual orphan is an extremely dangerous thing. You see, God not only calls us to believe in Christ, but he calls us to belong to the body of Christ. In the New Testament, almost always, when the word church is used, it refers to a local congregation, not the universal church. Parachurch ministries, campus fellowships, tend to focus on the universal church. Hey, we all are brothers and sisters in Christ, which is true. But at the same time, we have to understand that biblically speaking, when the scripture New Testament talks about the church, more often than not, almost exclusively, is talking to the local congregation, local church, local body of Jesus Christ. Right. That's why like, there are people that I see, young people. I know we have some like college students back here, and welcome back. Uh, but you know there are young people and just people in general who would attend these parachurch ministries or campus fellowships, but without attending the local church. That is not the way it's supposed to be. Holistic and biblical view is that you belong to a local church. In other words, you become a member of the church. C.S. Lewis noted that the word membership is of Christian origin, but the world has hijacked its meaning and emptied it of its meaning. You know, when we go to the stores, we see uh, stores offering discounts to the members. Members, you know, like the Whole Foods, 
they got bought out by Amazon. And when you go to Whole Foods now, right, you get 10% discount on certain items if you're the prime member. Right? So the world really defines being a member as, as long as you pay the annual due right? money, then you are a member. You don't have to lift a finger. All you have to do is pay up that you are a member. And that's how this world defines membership. And you know, paying the, the membership dues will provide many benefits. So as long as you pay up, you are a member, and you'll get benefits. The, the world has confused us with its perverted definition of membership, and we think that that's what membership is. So even in church, membership is often reduced to simply adding your name to the roster. Yeah, without a whole lot of requirements or expectations from you. And especially for many of us who have grown up, grown up in an Asian church setting, there is not, I don't think many of us really uh, have really, have, uh, we, we grew up understanding or just being exposed to even this idea of membership of the church. What happens in a, uh, especially in Korean church, what happens is you show up one day and people, oh, are you new? Okay, let us just get your uh, information. And then, and then you know, you, you decide to come just here and there. And then before you know it, you are in the roster and you are considered a member of the church. And then there is nothing else. And then you can vote on many uh, important decisions of the church. Uh, even though you have no idea who those people are, you can select, to, elect some people to be elders or the officers of the church or whatever. Right? There's nothing that, take, uh, that requires of you oftentimes. And as long as you give a consistent offering, and as long as you sign up for some classes, then you naturally, or, uh, naturally you just become, uh, you kind of you know, climb up the, the, the ladder. Right? But that's not the way it's supposed to be. Right? You know, we have made announcements in the past, pretty recently too, about membership class. And I'm glad that many of you have become members. But I think maybe some of us may have just decided to become a member because you just realized that, oh, my friends are members. So, oh, shucks, I didn't really think about this, but I, I should be members. So may, maybe some of you may have decided to become members because there are friends or people you know have become members. So you, maybe you, you have the FOMO, right? And so like you have the fear of missing out and so I, I want to be members. Or maybe some of us just... Yeah, just without much thought, you may have signed up. And also, there are some of us here may think that it's no big deal. I mean, I, I just don't see the need. Why, why would I be a member? I, I grew up in the church. I know the people here. So why, why bother? Right? I show up on uh, Sunday. So why would I want to go through the, the process of being a member? I mean, where in the Bible does it say that we must become members of the church? The Bible does not explicitly say that you must become members of a local church, but it does so by inference. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you are the members of the body of Christ. Right? That if uh, if uh, the eye cannot say to the hand, like, because I'm not, you're, not a, you're not an eye, I don't need you, it cannot say that. We all are body. We are members that need to belong to the, uh, to the body of Christ. Even in today's passage, right, 
says that, that in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you also are being built together into a, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, you have to belong to the body of Christ, the local body of, uh, body of believers. To Paul, being a member of a church meant being the integral part of an organic, vibrant body of Christ. Church is not a Christianized social club, but a living organism. You know, before I moved, I, I lived in a townhouse, and there was a, uh, you know, like a tree that uh, in, in the backyard that I had. And you know, it was getting like all the, the branches are just coming out too much, so I decided to just cut them all up. And once I chopped them off, the twigs eventually shriveled and it all died away. You see, like we cannot say, oh, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, but I don't really care for the church. I don't, it really doesn't matter that if I belong to the church. Right. I mean, who am I, I said this before, I think in one of the Fridays, but you know, who among us would say to someone that you truly love and say, baby, I love you so much. I, I, I love everything about you. you. You're my, you know, BAE, and it's just, you're, you're my everything, but I reject your body. Okay? I, I really don't care for your body. I mean, can you say that you are really, can you really say that I love you, I love you very much, but I'm not going to care for your body? Can you say that? Does that make sense to you? But that's what we do if you do not really belong to a church, don't care for the church. And I say, hey, as long as I believe in Jesus, that's all that matters. Jesus Christ, the head of the church, but the body of, body of Christ is the church, us. You cannot love Jesus without loving the body, the people of God. Even though we have so many imperfections, right? we have so many issues within the church, but you cannot say, I love Jesus, and I can't, but you know, we cannot say, I cannot stand the church, I cannot stand these Christians. They make me sick. You cannot really say that. When you say you love Jesus, then you are called to belong to the body of Christ, and we are called to love the body of Jesus Christ. You see, membership, man, it sounds like a sales pitch, but am I doing a good job, Pastor Jay? Am I doing all right? Yeah. Um, so you see, membership provides identity. Membership provides um, accountability. And it also provides opportunities for us to be committed to a body of believers instead of just kind of just drifting in and out. I don't really care. As long as I just show up on Sundays, the Sundays that I can wake up for or I have time for, then there is, you don't really belong to that. You don't have that sense of identity. And you don't really have that, you don't really give the body of Christ the opportunity to hold you accountable. And you don't really just say, when you do so, when you're just kind of just like being on the fringe, you are robbing yourself and robbing God of the opportunity to use your spiritual gifts. Every one of us has at least one spiritual gift, if not more. And we are robbing God of that opportunity and the calling that God has given us to use those gifts and the talents that you have to grow and edify, build up, encourage the body of Christ. 
So if you still have questions about being a member, please go talk to Pastor Jay. He will sit you down and talk to you about this. Um, so then, so that's the implication. If this is the, 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 the church, the community of faith, is God's dearest creation, then the implication is that we belong to the body of Christ. And, then, and one application that we can have is then let us reach out and embrace, as our ministry name says, embrace one another within the body of Christ. Embrace and love one another. You know, John chapter 13, 34 and 35 says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. God wants the way Christians love one another to be the visual model of the way God loves us. Our love for one another reflects God's love at work within his people and thereby we are proving that we are truly disciples of Christ. Some of us here have been here for a long time. Maybe some of you guys have even been born into this church. And others of us, like me, have just begun attending. And we all are in different life stages. We have some college students. We have some people with uh, families, with kids. And we have different backgrounds. We may even be polar opposites when it comes to our, uh, our political views. We all are different. But despite all the differences, we are called to love one another. This is what we are to do among ourselves first, to love, genuinely love one another. I mean, what good is knowing all this theology when we are not loving one another? What good is learning about God is community and we Therefore, God created, uh, God created community that we should be in community when we are not loving one another. What good is it for knowing all this knowledge right? if we are not loving one another? Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Having right theology by itself does not necessarily lead to right living. We may be in danger of stopping an orth at orthodoxy without orthopraxy. We can have the right knowledge, but unless we can really truly live it out in our daily lives in a visible way, then that knowledge that you think that you know is not true knowledge at all, right? As James says, if you don't really just live out what the scripture says, what good is that knowledge if you're not really loving one another? With, and it starts from us here, right? And there are so many people in the church I'm not just talking about us, but in general, who have the right knowledge, but they don't really have any love, right? What about us? Are we really loving one another as Christ calls us to love, right? A new command that I give to you, as I have loved you, you are to love one another. We are to have love for one another. You know, I'm, let me just be really bluntly honest, and maybe after this, Pastor Jay may never let me speak again. But you know, like uh, to me, like the greeting time, it's really awkward time. Why? Because I see a lot of us kind of right after the praise, 
and then let's just greet one another. And what, what, I, I, what I see so often is people kind of like look around, hide, and just sit. And then it's just being really awkward, right? Of course, there are some of us, I know like, you know, this Dr. J and just, a lot, you know, our um, uh, the welcoming team, I mean, they're really going out of their way to reach out to people. But for many of us, I see just kind of like, we just, we just like look around and say, hi, hey, all right, and just sit back. And it's not really like greeting one another. What good is it if we have all this knowledge, all the, the teaching that we receive, but when we do not really reach out to people, when we are not really loving Oh, I'm really shy, so like, you, know, you have to understand me. I, I get that. Right? I, I'm a shy person too. But that doesn't excuse us from not really making efforts to reach out to people. Like lunchtime, sometimes I go there, I mean, because I'm talking to people, try to just talk to people, and I go a little late, and I, sometimes I see like the people, like people right here, like sitting by themselves, like one person. Like sitting and eating lunch all by himself or herself. When I see another like table completely filled with, with embraced people, right? Why can't some of us just a little bit more sensitive? I mean, hey, there's a person, maybe that person just came really late, so I understand. But, you know, like, I think the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is we have to be a little more concrete in our love for one another. If we cannot truly reach out and just love one, love one another right here, how can we tell people out there say God is love and we're going to love you, uh, that you know you're, uh, we're going to love you when these strangers, newcomers come and then we are like, well, okay, I'm just going to still stay with within my own clique and I'm just going to be comfortable with what I have here, right? So it, it means like for married couples, maybe you, can, you should make a little more efforts to really just reach out to the, the, the singles. And singles, same thing. Instead of only just like uh, work, uh, just hanging out with the singles, maybe you can also take more initiative to really just reach out to people that are in the different life stages. College students, same thing. I know you guys are much younger and you feel like, man, there are a bunch of those old people here. No, but you know, like, can also just make efforts too. Right? Everyone, it includes me and everybody here. I think we can do a little more. And God has called us. And says, we are still, it, it's, it's in the process, as verse 21 says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. It's growing. It's in the process. We haven't arrived yet. We have to really do our part. Until the day that Christ comes back, we are to really love and really just build up this body that Christ has, called, Christ has called us to be part of. At this season of our lives, God has called us to embrace ministry. That we have to do our part in building up one another, encouraging and praying for one another. May that be our uh, mindset.